welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Hey guys, it's Eric with the Miller Park Mint, where we're throwing strikes and getting likes, hitting dingers, getting listeners. Back again with yet another podcast. We are on 31 days or something of that nature now, where we put a podcast out every day. This is your only daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. We're the only one that exists. Try to find another one that's out there every day. It's not going to happen. Five. 30 a.m. Central Standard Time, daily uploads. Uh, we are on Google, Amazon, Spotify, Pocket Cast, uh, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. Apple, YouTube. So go check us out. Uh, if you could rate and review, if you could hit that subscribe button, that would be great. Turn on notifications so you know when the latest podcasts are posted. But it's pretty simple, 5.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Also, uh, we are on C- We do have a SeatGeek code, Miller Park Minute. You can get $20 off your first purchase with the code Miller Park Minute over at SeatGeek. Baseball, concerts, you name it, they got it. Go check them out. Uh, then we did get a Patreon, patreon.com slash Miller Park Minutes. If you want to go contribute to the channel, you can do that over at patreon.com slash Miller Park Minute. All right. Without further ado, we have a special guest today. Uh, He's got a stat line to him. Uh, In 14 appearances, one, uh, two wins, no losses, one save, 24 innings, 4.88 ERA, and 28 strikeouts. This gentleman has his own podcast uh, with his brother, who is already on the show. Uh, it's called The Barrel Banter. And uh, they do one hell of a job. They get into some good stats. Uh, they have some random fun episodes. Uh, without further ado, here is our good friend, David Go. Thanks David, for having how me. Doing I'm doing pretty well. We're uh, we're here in Arkansas right now, and we just had a big ice storm. Um, a couple, couple inches of ice and snow, but enough to cancel a couple days of, of classes, kind of the city shut down for it. So a little bit different than what we're used to seeing in the Midwest. Right, right. Today, it's like negative 11 out when I'm taking my kid to school. And all I did was wait until they, they opened the side door and let him in. You know, mm-hmm. So I get it. Uh, totally different atmosphere, though. So that being said, uh, I ran off some stats. You are a collegiate level baseball player uh, currently on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you've been a baseball fan your whole life. You decided, Hey, I've got a brother that likes baseball as well. So let's do a podcast. Let's, let's call it. Uh, It was originally under a totally different name. I think when I first came on and talked to you guys Mm -hmm. Uh, and now it's become the barrel banter and it's the barrel banter or what is it? The barrel M K E on on Twitter, and mm-hmm. the barrel on uh, YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. 
and you guys do some do some fun stuff over there. So I just uh, again I, I listened to it a second time because I the draft of the the random things uh, I really enjoyed that one because there were some some unique things like the uh, accordion player. <laughs> um, accordion, right? No, not accordion. Uh, I'm thinking organ. Uh, organ. organ player. Yes, sorry, I said accordion. Uh, and then there was the one that I want to talk to you more about tonight. Uh, the episode you did, I believe that was the beginning of January, right? Was your first episode of the year the one where you talked about the rules? And I think so. Okay, that's what I thought. I don't have my my podcast thing. All my podcast stuff is actually just on my phone. So it's right there. So I don't, I don't, I can't see my podcast feed. I'm sure I probably could somewhere. It's Apple. It's all in the same place synced together. Right. Mm -hmm. But so you guys talked about the rules and that's what I wanted to come and talk to you today. You know, a good, good portion of what this, this, these new rules are. And you've probably, you're probably starting to see that and, and college ball as well, right? I mean, I would think that they kind of have some of these rules in place already. Yeah, they're actually, um, they they instituted a rule that's supposed to be um, for pace of play. That's been, I think, in effect for a year now, where every time you step off, you have to fake a throw to a base. It doesn't really accomplish anything. Um, but I think they were kind of going for, for the, like, more of the intentional pickoffs instead of just stepping off to reset. But this year there are um, there's a pitch clock. The only problem is at the college level, there's no requirement right now for there to be a clock up, like in the stadium. So the umpire has the clock, but no one actually knows how much time there is to pitch. Um, so that's going to be new this year. We'll see if that ends up um, ends up playing a, a, a deciding role in any any big games. Uh, it seems like they're kind of taking that that from MLB with MLB, of course, instituting the, the pitch clock this year. Um, an NCAA following suit. That may, I mean, it makes sense because you know, if you're gonna, if you're playing in college, you're you're eventually gonna want to get to the MLB. I would assume a lot of college players are trying to play for an MLB type career. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, now you you went through these rules pretty well. So what what are the big big changes? for the 2023 season. I'll kind of lean on you for that. Cause I know you kind of are the analytical type of your podcast. You are the, uh, you're like my butcher. You basically, he does research stuff. I just speak from the gut. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go through, um, a few, a few of the big new rules. Of course, the pitch clock was the first one that I mentioned. So there, there will be a pitch clock both with, with runners on base and without, um, and it'll be a little bit shorter. I think it's it's 15 seconds with nobody on and 20 with runners on. And the goal there is to to increase the pace of the game. They instituted it at the minor league level, saw great success in terms of just lowering the overall average game time. Um, I think it was by about 20, 25 minutes per game that, that it uh, decreased the time. One of the rules that's interesting that goes along with the pitch clock is pitchers are allowed to throw to bases no more than two times for a pickoff um, per at bat. So I don't know how much we're going to see that come into effect, but we may. We've never had a rule like that in MLB. Seems like that may not have been a huge thing in, in the minor league level, but we'll see if that, that comes into play. They are going to have bigger bases as well in the major leagues. 
um, in increasing by, I think, about three inches on each side. But it does decrease the distance of uh, the time from first, second, and second to third by a little bit. And we always say baseball is a game of inches. So every couple inches could be a, a big difference. Uh, and then the shift restrictions are the ones that I think are – those ones are gaining uh, – that one's gaining a lot of, a lot of talk. You're going to have to have two infielders on each side of second base, and every infielder is going to have to be on the infield dirt. So I think we could see it, maybe a resurgence in that big dead pull left-handed hitter. Could see a, a few specific brewers that, that uh, improve from that. So those are the three main on-field rules that we'll see. And then there will be a new schedule. So instead of having uh, seemingly every game against either the Pirates or the Reds, like we've had in, in previous years, there will be there will be uh, – every team playing against every team during every year. So the Brewers will be playing all 15 American League teams next year. Uh, and instead, to kind of make up for that, they'll only be playing 56 games within the division instead of about 80. So there, there will be about two fewer series on average uh, per team. So we'll see the, the NL Central teams a little bit less this upcoming year. Now you also you in your podcast you mentioned there's some research that you did about um, kind of how those those teams fare against the Brewers or um, obviously I know there's some subpar teams in the other leagues too uh, but maybe not to the extent that the NL Central has uh, not as bad as the Pirates and the Reds are mm -hmm. and even maybe the Cubs last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is one thing. Um, it could be about the difference between two to three wins. Um, I let's see. I forgot to pull up the numbers uh, specifically. Okay. I think the winning percentage of the the Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, and Pirates was about four fifty last year. And instead, the the American League teams that we'll be playing, their collective winning percentage was about four eighty, four eighty five. So even if the Brewers just play kind of consistent with that next year. That's still about two to three wins that the Brewers would lose. Um, and even if you look at the, the more specific numbers, the Brewers against the NL Central last year, uh, 118 weighted runs created plus, so 18% above league average as hitters, only 101 against non-division opponents. Um, and it was a similar story in 2021. They had a worse offense that year, but still considerably better against the NL Central. And the pitching also does better within the division. So that's something that we could see maybe even specific players that, that do actually have, have worse years in 2023, um, given their, their beating up of, of the Reds and Pirates subpar pitching over the past couple of years. Well, and, and that's, the, that's the big change. I mean, I think the, the thing we're going to see is obviously the historic data helps us too, but then Obviously, there's the the factor of everything that you listed in the new rules, the wider bases, the 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 shifting, and all that. It's going to be a really interesting year to kind of see how baseball plays through this because you are you are adding a lot of factors mm -hmm. in in 2023. I mean, there there's quite a few factors. I don't remember. I mean, I haven't been around that long, but I don't remember there being any year where we had more than one major rule change. I don't know if you'd right. file the, the bigger bases under a major rule change, but for sure the pitch clock and the shift restriction would, would have to fall under a major rule change. And I think the new schedule would fall under that as well, even if it may not be an on-field change. 
And I, you know, with the bases, I, I've, you know, they've said that safety, and I, I, I guess I, I, I would, I would go with that. I would, I would agree with that. I think the, the safety aspect of that is more. I mean, a couple inches here or there isn't going to affect that much of a, you know, maybe a couple plays, right? Yeah, because there's only really a. Couple, I'm um, sorry. And we, the thing is, when you add multiple rules at once, you don't always know the effect that they each individually have. At the minor league level, uh, they instituted the pitch clock and they instituted the bigger bases. And, and the pitch clock there included also the, um, the limit on pickoffs. So we saw a big increase in stolen bases. If you look at 2022 in AAA, uh, 2.05 stolen base attempts per team per game. Um, that was up from just 0.9 in 2019, which was the last full season that they had that they had no pitch clock and the smaller bases. We also saw um, an, a success rate success rate increase of 8.5 percent. So we saw some big changes in in AAA. Um, will we see that drastic of changes in the majors? I'm not sure. I think major leaguers are always going to be slower to change. Uh, it seems like that you might get a little bit more of the the AAA player who can maybe run and who can field, but maybe doesn't hit as well. And maybe that type of player is going to steal more bases than, than the slugger in, in the majors, which has become increasingly common. Uh, but I, I do think we're going to see actually maybe a bigger increase in stolen bases than, than most people are talking about. Maybe Rowdy will add a couple. Who knows? Maybe. Did he, did he have one last year, I think? One. One. I think that was actually so. I listened to there. There's a season seat holder call. I can shoot it to you in the email. Uh, but there's a season seat holder call uh, with Craig Council that was done. I think it was done yesterday. Uh, and they asked him just a ton of questions. And that was one of them. Oh, well, how many bases do you think we'll add? And I know I remember in your podcast, you said, you know, you know, based on some numbers that it would, it would, it would like, in the small sample size with Garrett Mitchell, it come out to like 73 or something based on the rate he had. And then you said, well, no, more realistically, it's more like 40. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Rowdy Tellez, maybe three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a little bit generous for Rowdy. <laughs> it's always like the right, just like the right situation. Um, and maybe, I, I don't know, but maybe his one, one steal last year was because of the shift even. They weren't they weren't positioned in the right the right place. <laughs> it's just funny to think about that. I mean, you know, the big guys always kind of stay stay pretty much on the bag until they mm -hmm. they go. So even I mean, that's historic. But I think there's gonna be some differences in, in the way the, these guys approach, you know, a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the interviews that I've seen with managers and coaches in the league are saying Hey, you know, we're trying to prep these guys to know what the new rules are when we get it uh, into these spring training games so we can learn everything. Um, do you, I mean, do you foresee, you know, hiccups through the first, second, third month of the year? Or you, do you think we're going to see hiccups with this all the way, all the way through till the end of the season? I think we'll see. We'll, we'll see the most, I think, maybe in the first month. I think they'll be kind of phased out where by the end of the year, maybe here and there, we'll we'll see the hiccups. And with that being, I think, mostly the pitch clock. I'm not sure 
well, of course, there's nothing to adjust really with bigger bases in terms of, of hiccups. Um, one thing I think we might see actually, though, is like team strategies shift because I think maybe after a couple months of their analysts, because baseball is so data driven now, once they deem the sample size big enough, I think we might see maybe maybe analysts say after two, two and a half months, we're not stealing enough bases. Maybe let's let's increase our, our stolen base rate or we're not emphasizing our guys that hit for contact enough with the new shift rules. Let's put them in the lineup more. I think that might be the bigger shift we see throughout the year, more so than the hiccups. I certainly hope that we don't get to game five of the NLCS and Kenley Jansen takes, or I guess he's in the AL now, ALCS. Uh, Kenley Jansen takes 21 seconds to throw the pitch and the go-ahead run scores off third base. I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but you never know, especially with the playoffs and how long how long pitchers, I think, especially take in the playoffs. Um, we might see in those those late season games, we might see a hookup here and there. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, that's to be expected with everything being changed. Obviously, you've played a game a certain way your whole life. Um, you're going to expect to see something. Um be a be a bit of a hesitation or be a be a stutter point. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a automatic. You're not automatically just going to get the new rules and the new changes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I like about this, and I don't know schedule wise where we're going to shift out and how everything's going to be, but you're going to see some of the mega stars of this game come through Milwaukee on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um. Now I know we've talked that you're a, you're a baseball fan and a Brewers fan, but is there anybody in particular that you are you are excited to see, or anybody on this schedule that uh, maybe a team that? Uh, yeah, I tri- think your trigger. I <laughs> so think the, the the easy the easy answer is the Angels, of course. At least for this year, they've got Trout and Otani. I mean, that's they're fun to watch. I mean, um, either way, they're they're two of the best talents in the sport. Um, but one team that I'm actually maybe a little bit more under the radar excited to see is Seattle. They're exciting. They've got a fun team. Julio Rodriguez, of course, being uh, maybe the youngest superstar in in baseball right now. I mean, he's he's what 21, 22, um, not much older than I am. Um, and and they've got a fun team. I think they're they're a good matchup for the Brewers too, um, especially with with the the amount of pitching the Brewers have, um, the high quality pitching. The Mariners don't have like a, a super high powered offense, but they're pretty balanced throughout and they're exciting. Uh, they're pretty young. I'm excited to see the the Mariners come through town every year. Do you think so? I Shohei is my favorite. Do you think Shohei is going to be the the uh, next major contract that we see? I mean, do you foresee him signing this 500? plus million dollar contract i mean the the logic and the the argument here so far that i've heard is basically well he's he's you know an aaron judge and uh you know name a all-star pitcher right now you know yeah i think if anyone's going to be the first 500 million dollar man i think he'd be the guy to do it um you're banking on a lot because especially nowadays with teams being so risk averse where they say well how have players at age 28 with this amount of war in the past four years performed in their, their next eight seasons or however many, how did they perform? How, how healthy did they say? 
Otani, you don't have any of that data because there's never been a talent like him. Um, I, th- I think someone does. I think, if, I think if he puts up another year like he did both this year and last year, um, that's three straight years of, of being really an all-star caliber hitter and pitcher. And, and how much does an all-star caliber pitcher make on the open market? 25 to 30 million. How much does an all-star hitter make? 20 to 25. He'll be entering his age 29 season, I think, or age 30 season. Uh-huh. And with the way that contracts are going right now, we saw a big influx of money going into the players on um, this past offseason with the new collective bargaining agreement. I think it's likely that he gets I, I would I don't think much over 500, but but maybe about 11 years, 500, something around there. I in that's that's incredible to see. I mean, I don't think we ever thought we'd see a, a pitcher hit like he does or uh you know not at that high level that it's just not possible i was listening to the effectively wild and there was a guy talking about how you could put uh if you put shohei otani at every position and first of all some of them would be rather difficult if he hadn't played that level in a major league game but that he could play all of them in dh for six innings or something like that and i'm like (laughs) it's even crazy to think about and it was funny because the guy in the the guy in my car is like, yeah, that's that's crazy. Shohei Otani is crazy. And then he actually was was coming from Texas, and he's like, yeah, um, I'm actually I'm I'm gonna have lunch with Brian Anderson tomorrow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he, he dropped that on me in the last like thirty seconds. I was like, that's badass, man. That's so cool. All right. So you're one of the things you always do on your podcast, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. You always do some trivia, so I have something for you. Okay. And I'm going I'm going to give you a little bit of information. Uh and I'm going to I'm going to let you try and take a stab or maybe just see if you know it randomly from your your knowledge. So one of one of the players uh that was born on today's date. Now these are legendary players. Um played for the Chicago Cubs. One of them was a Dodger and one of them was a Ranger. Can you name it any or all of those three players? Once once you, you said born on today, I looked at the date and I realized that today's like the the legendary birthday um, date. So I believe it's Jackie Robinson, Ernie Banks, and Nolan Ryan. It is. It is. <laughs> See, I had to I had to you do it all the time and it's funny, you're random brewers. That's that's one of the great parts of the you, your podcast and guys if you haven't heard their podcast he he does such he does random player profiles he does um you did one on one of the last ones where it was like name this brew uh is this guy a brewer and i i just it was it was great because david or um, peter like missed them all basically or got one or two of them right and i think it was like you got the give me ones right at the end I was yeah, like, was that, that was like awesome. the ones with like Felipe Alou and Julio Franco? Yep, it was that one. Yeah, there's some brewer, some like sometimes I'm going back and looking at old Brewers teams, and um, I mean, especially like 70s, 80s, 90s. I wasn't really around, so I don't remember guys making 40 game cameos. I might remember like the Jim Edmonds or the Curtis Grandersons, um, but there's some there's some good players that have spent you know no more than a year with the brewers. Right. Right. I mean, we've had, you know, 
Koch will be our statistic and uh, Koch, Colton Wong. Those will be those will be bumps mm-hmm. down the road. You know where yeah. those times will be like, oh yeah, they were a Brewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Greinke, I feel like is one of those that people like don't really remember that was a Brewer as well. Yeah, and he just yeah. wrapped up another one year with the Orioles. I think I think he's at the point where he's just going to sign one years until he's decides he's done. You know, maybe he's. He seems like the kind of guy that wants to just keep playing as long as, as long as he's able to. So, if the do Royals think that, him contracts, do you think that there's anybody in this free agent pool that's existing that would be an add to the Brewers, or do you think we're too full at this point? Um, I think a, a lefty reliever would be ideal. Um, that's that's kind of the last market that it's not totally untapped, but there's still a number of guys left. Um, I know over at Reviewing the Brew, they, they had an article up a couple days ago highlighting a couple of them. Uh, Andrew Chafin is still available. He was with the Cubs and the Tigers um, recently. He's, he's pretty good. Matt Moore, the, the left-handed starter that got moved to the pen last year with Texas, uh, he had a good year in the bullpen, first year in the, in the pen. Kind of similar career trajectory to Drew Pomeranz, who the Brewers got, of course, for, for just that half year. Um, and those are the, those are the, the top two guys, uh, Will Smith, the former brewer, um, he, he's still available. He's maybe not quite as good as, as Chafin or more, but I think Will Smith would definitely add some good experience. Uh, of course he's got years of closing experience under his belt and especially with the current bullpen, we don't have a lot of that. I don't think closing experience is like a prerequisite to be a good late inning reliever. I think we've seen that Williams seamlessly stepped into that closer role last year, but it still would be nice to have somebody with experience, especially a lefty. Of course we had Hayter as the, the late inning lefty uh, the past couple of years, Taylor Rogers didn't work out, but right now we really just have Hobie Milner in terms of um, lefties locked into that role, unless they see Aaron Ashby taking a late inning role, which is possible, but I think it's more likely that, uh, assuming Ashby starts in the pen and they they want Wade Miley in the rotation, I think it's more likely that Ashby is more of a bridge guy, that early career Josh Hader role, where he maybe comes in in the the fifth or sixth after a shorter start by one of the one of the starters, uh, maybe even comes in for Miley since Miley um, probably won't work deep into games this year. So I think adding a lefty might be advantageous there. That that pairing like they did with um, who are they doing that with? Did it, Hauser and. Uh... Didn't they yeah, they paired two guys back to back like they a year? Were. Well, and they in 2018, I know they did that more where they had because our rotation in 18 was what Chasin, Geo, yep. Wade Miley, really just those three down the stretch or in the in the postseason. Um, Woodruff got some starts occasionally, but I think they'd usually pair like Burns and Freddie, I think, along with one of the lefties. They haven't had yep. to do that as much lately because, of course, we've had a, a very good rotation. And we also added, and, and I didn't speak to this yesterday, but uh, we uh, we added Monte Harris on a minor league deal. Yeah. Former former Brewer. He spent some time in the Angels and Miami. Was he was he a Christian Yelich trade? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just got him back. We we've really won that trade now. We've gone full, full circle. Yeah, I know. 
even even at Christian Yelich's current status with the Brewers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Brinson didn't do anything for, for Miami. Harrison didn't. Isan Diaz, I think, last year was was waived in San Francisco, picked him up. Jordan Yamamoto made a couple starts for him. I mean, yeah, I, it doesn't really get much worse than that if you're Miami. He's got a career war of 0.1. Harrison? Yeah. <laughs> Second he, round pick. Uh, strikes out about 42% of the time, I think. Jesus. Well, I mean, you know, that's why he's a, a minor league deal, I guess. Yeah, kind of a Keon Broxton profile. Dexter Fowler's retired. That's funny. He fell off. Another fall off candidate. What was the other topic that I wanted to ask you about today? Oh, did you bring any trivia for me? I did, actually. All right. Lay it on me. Let's hear it. How? So I prepared. I didn't know how, how much uh, we'd want to go. So I have I have five questions. You want me to, to do all of them? Sure. Well, let's do it. Let's try. <laughs> so, okay. So we've got, we'll start with the easiest ones and we'll work our way to the harder ones. So our first one, who led the 2022 Brewers in home runs? It's going to be Redfro. It's actually Rowdy. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the easiest one wasn't the first one. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty okay. confident you'll get the second one. There were, there were a lot. Like we had – Rowdy, Adamas, Renfro. I was going to say, Rowdy, Rowdy, Adamas, and Renfro were the top. I just didn't know how they fell. I think Renfro, Renfro like was the best when he was there, when he was on the field, but I think Rowdy played more games, so he ended up having more home runs. Um, so our second question, the Brewers, a new catcher, William Contreras' brother, Wilson, of course was with the Cubs, but he signed with which NL Central team? St. Louis Cardinals. That's correct. Our third question, who represented the 2020 Brewers, 20, excuse me, the 2022 Brewers at the All-Star game last year? Three guys, all pitchers. Devin Williams, Josh Hader, and Corbin Burns. That's correct. Only one of which appeared in that game. Mm-hmm. The, the other two, basically, like, Hader stayed home, and I think Burns went, yeah. right? Yeah, I think Haters was like really very soon after his wife gave birth. So they, they said it was fine for him to, to stay out. I think Burns started that Sunday before. So yep. unlike the old days, they didn't want him to go on one day's rest in the All-Star game. <laughs> um, question number four. Name the six active brewers who were on the 2018 team that made it to game seven of the NLCS. So there's I'll give you a hint. There's one guy who left and came back. Um, and then the other five have been pretty steadily on the team over the last five years. So there's six six guys. Okay. So Christian Yelich. Mm-hmm. Um, Claudio. He actually was traded for in 19. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Then we'll go Keston Hera. He was called up in 2019 also. What? Really? There's, they're actually all five are, are pitchers. The other five are pitchers. The other five are yeah. pitchers. Oh, well, that might make it a little easier. 
Okay, so you're going to have Freddie Peralta, yep, Corbin so Burns, mm-hmm. Brandon Woodruff, mm-hmm. and then Devin wasn't here. Devin was Rookie of the Year in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this fourth pitcher, um, I don't remember if he was on the playoff roster, but he definitely got uh, he definitely appeared in 2018. I was I would say Brent Suter, but Brent Suter's not on the team anymore. Yeah, he he would have been one had he got <laughs> four. Um, Wade Miley. Wade Miley is is a fifth one because they just resigned him. <laughs> um, is there another one? He's he's a member of the rotation, the starting rotation. Oh, Hauser. Of course, yep. Adrian Hauser. Hauser, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's kind of forgettable how, at times, okay? Yeah. I always forget how, like, Hauser's, Hauser debuted in 2015, which feels like a generation ago. And it was he had, like, a lights-out outing, like, at the end of the season, didn't he? Yeah, he. I think he only pitched in two games. Um, he, um, yeah, he was called up. He was on that... They had a really good team in Double A that year, I remember, and they got called up for the last like week and a half, two weeks. It was like, um, who was it? Jorge Lopez, I think maybe maybe Phillips or maybe not maybe not even Phillips yet. Um, but Hauser was one of them. I think there was a catcher in there, um, and and Hauser only pitched two games. He ended up blowing out his elbow at the start of 2016, so that's why he missed a lot of time. And then Wasn't some- there a guy who went like no hit on like the last day of the season that was a total just call up guy? Was that the tw- was that that season or was that a season later? Um, I, 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 I think it was Aaron Wilkerson. Wilkerson, yes, you're I, right. I can tell you what year that was, but it was against, it was against the Cardinals, though. I remember that because it was like it, it was like totally irrelevant game, and he's like mm-hmm. looking like a stud. So yeah. he was. Aaron Wilkerson, I felt like, was always the last guy on the 40-man roster and then just would get called back up when they needed him. Fell off. Fell yeah. off. How do we you got, feel? One, one, more, one more question. This one is pretty pretty difficult. Uh, Jesse Winker had his career low in batting average in 2022 with the Mariners. What was his batting average last year? One eighty-three. A little bit higher. I won't have you keep guessing since it's a such a specific number, but two nineteen. Oh, jeez. I was thinking of sub two hundred because I, I couldn't remember because I looked at it. I mean, uh, anytime I, a player gets acquired, I look at their stats, but I don't always. Not everything sticks out. You know what I mean? Okay. I knew it was bad. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I think okay. his next word was two fifty five. Oh wow. So- and he he's is, projected he, I think to do pretty well in 2021. He's projected to do well. So we'll just hope that he comes around and he's he's working right now from whatever everybody's told me. So that's a good okay. thing. Let's 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 hope that's a good thing, right? Yeah, it seems like every every like bounce back list that you see, um, since since writers are kind of desperate for topics right now with nothing really happening. They're writing like who's gonna bounce back, who's gonna break out, and I I feel like I see Winker on all of them. Mm-hmm. For sure, I I definitely do. All right, my final my final 
because we talked about guys going back and forth and that Wilkerson thing. How do you feel about Keston Hira and Tyrone Taylor and their their position in a, a very crowded infield and outfield? I mean, do you think they're ex- expendable at this point? Do you think they still have some value? I I'll I'll preface it with this. Especially if I was Keston Hira, I would probably want to be traded. It's not a great situation for Hira, especially with his his pretty limited defensive versatility. I think he has some value there. It depends how they use him. I mean, we saw um, he had pretty pronounced reverse splits, so he was hitting righties better, but they kept hitting him against lefties last year. We'll see, because I think I think if anyone needs a platoon p- partner, it's probably either Rowdy at first or Winker DHing, and both of them hit righties really well. So I don't know that we've really got a spot for Hira. I think I think personally, it makes more sense to trade Hira. Well, he's at least got some value. Trade him to a team like Pittsburgh or Oakland, uh, somewhere where he can just get at bats every day and try to reestablish himself. Taylor, I think, has a a more clear path to playing time. Um, especially the beginning of the year. Of course, Yelich will be in left. Winker will be, I think, primarily DHing. Maybe get starts from time to time in the outfield. Even with Mitchell, I would say mostly in center. I think we probably will see Freilich start in AAA. We'll see Weimer start in AAA. So I think Taylor might actually get the bulk of the at-bats in right field to begin the year. And then how he does with that, I think, will will kind of dictate when they bring up Freilich, maybe how they use Taylor after that but taylor's actually had a couple decent years and some limited playing time so i think taylor's got a little bit more of a a, a better outlook for 2023 i can see it i can see it i mean yeah and you make sense i mean like we i don't know that taylor has options left i know keston doesn't so yeah i i don't think i don't think taylor does but check because because that Especially with Keston, I don't know. Do you just do you do you let him go and and hope you don't have a Scooter Jeanette type situation? Right, right. Where it burns you. All right. So if you could get, grab the answer to that, I'm just gonna kind of wrap and tell them where to find you. You are the Barrel MKE on Twitter. You are the Barrel Banter Podcast, and that's pretty much on every podcast platform. Mm-hmm. I, I know I listen to it personally on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and then you have a YouTube channel, and that is – help me with that one. I don't know that one. Barrel? Um, the Barrel. Mm-hmm. The Barrel. Okay, it's The Barrel. I, I subscribe to them all. I just don't remember exact handles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, obviously, I know my handles very well. Mm-hmm. Did you find out if Taylor's got any options? He's, he's out of options, too. He's out of options. Okay, so there are two big out-of-option players. Yeah. All right. Well, so this has been a talk with David Goh, a college, collegiate, we'll say collegiate-level pitcher. Uh, He's got some strikeouts under his belt. Uh, He's currently working to get back to playing baseball. And he hosts a very good podcast. So go take a listen to him and his brother, Peter, who was on here a couple weeks ago. We'll bring him back periodically throughout the season. If that's fun with you, fine with you guys, we'll do that. We'll have our chats. Maybe I'll come over by you guys and chat on your podcast for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your time tonight, man. I'm just going to wrap up here. So 
Hang tight a second, all right? Thanks for having me, Eric. You're welcome. All right, guys, that's been the Miller Park Minute. We are wrapped for the day, so go check us out, rate, and review on all the podcast platforms that you are subscribed to, CastBox, Amazon, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. I think I repeated some of those, whatever. Uh, but we are here 5.30 a.m. every day. You're only Milwaukee Brewers daily podcast. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. We'll catch you in the next one. And as always, go Brewers. banter we'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show to hear more find us on youtube at the barrel or on twitter at the barrel mke we look forward to connecting with you next time